Hey everybody, good evening and happy March. I think it came in kind of like a lamb actually, although we've had some rain around here. Um, welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Alright, so I've been on spring break this week, which is like super early, but apparently sometimes colleges do that, so it has been a pretty relaxing week for me. It's like late winter break. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> I think basically my um, semester's over like before April is over, so <laughs> it seems to make sense that I would be having spring break this early. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but our kids do not have spring break this week, so it has been like super quiet during the day because I've been at home by myself. So that's been kind of interesting. Yeah, that that would be peaceful. That would be peaceful. I don't have any witty banter. Yeah, it's okay. We can just move on to the news. All right. You actually have a news item today. I do. Imagine that. I actually did a little bit of prep work. I know that's that's shocking, but I did some. <laughs> um, so the one thing I wanted to talk about is kind of a, I think it's a cool piece of news because basically Plaid Hat reacquired their rights to their company and they're no longer associated with asthma day interesting yeah i think maybe they might have seen the writing on the wall that asthma day is just eating everybody up and it may be time to start doing your own thing and Hmm. see what happens but the weird thing here is they don't get to get the rights back to all of their games so basically they have like three of their games out of their whole catalog that are there still and Asthma Day is keeping like the real popular ones, and Fantasy Flight is keeping some of them as well, and they're going to distribute them on behalf of Asthma Day. So that kind of stinks, but yeah. at least anything going forward. So any new of the any new games that they're doing in like the books, like the Mice and Mystics or Stuff Fables, they'll get to have the rights to them, and they won't have to share those with Asthma Day. So I thought that was cool news. So I wanted to mention that up at the top here. So way to go, Plaid Hat. Right. I hope that. You know, they're able to get some really good titles out, some good games to kind of rebuild themselves back up because I think we all were and have been worried about big conglomerates just taking over all gaming. And then what can you do? Like, we're already having issues with like tariffs with China, coronavirus. I mean, and to see a company be like, hey, okay, we're going to damn the man and like come back and be our own people again and independently run it how we want to run it. Like, I think that that's really great. I hope more people are able to do it. Yeah, I don't know if uh, that's necessarily why they broke free, but... Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm, like, in, I'm like inspiring them. I want them to be, like, <laughs> freedom! Like the William Wallaces of <laughs> game publishing, when it's probably not that. They were just like, hey, let's do it. Like, I don't know. I have no idea why. I do know that in one of the articles I read, the guy, I think his name's Colby, Colby Roush or something like that, that reacquired Plat Hat. He did say he didn't like the way that Asmodee was doing their lost parts policy. So it's basically the way Mm -hmm. that works is if you get a game from them and it's missing pieces, oh, well, that's their new policy. They're not going to replace pieces and any of that. So I think that might have been maybe the straw that broke Colby's back, but Mm. I'm not sure. That's just my speculation. Well, good for him. Like being customer centric like that, that's, that's a good way to run business in my opinion. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. It makes me like Plaid Hat even more, but even though I only own one of their games. <laughs> yeah, you don't even okay. like any of their games. <laughs> I like Abomination. That's cool. Maybe they'll put out more like that, and then we'll really like their games. It's true. We'll see. Hmm. 
Okay, I have a couple like different news things happening. Um, and several of you have mentioned some news items to me, which I'm so thankful because it really helps me see what you guys are into, what you want to hear about, um, and to like broaden even my perspective because there are certain types of games that I really like. And so there's ones that I'm naturally gravitated towards on Kickstarter. Um, if, if you don't hear your, the game that you told me about this week, um, it will be coming soon. Like if you tell me about a game that just got there in Kickstarter and there's like 30 days, um, I might save it for another week, like, because I want to make sure, like, I'm getting in the stuff that is going to expire and kickstart soon. So the first thing I'll talk about is Ludo Cherry Clothing. Um, they have this really cool, uh, which is so different. This is not actually a board game, but it's like gamer apparel. Um, and so there's 18 days left on this Kickstarter and they are um, producing shirts and skirts. But they ha- and they have four different fabric designs that are just like subtle nods to gaming, so that it's not like the t-shirt, the obnoxious t-shirts. Like I have some really obnoxious D and D t-shirts, like when it says "chaotic evil" means never having to say you're sorry or whatever. Um, these are like really classy, like button-up kind of dress shirts, um, skirts that come with pockets. Which, if you are a female listening, you know a skirt with pockets is freaking gold. Because for years, the patriarchy has been trying to keep us down with inefficient clothing. Here we go. Stop. I'm serious. Skirts with pockets is a revolution. <laughs> I can carry my own crap. I don't need to, like, be in distress. I'm actually surprised that hasn't been a thing, like, really. Well, remember, I bought that one pair of pants I really liked. They don't have front pockets. Oh, yeah, that's true. I do remember that. <laughs> or there's all, like, those dress, like, women's dress pants. They have, like mini pockets you can't even fit like a chapstick in that thing so yeah that's awful these are skirts with pockets so they've got these four designs there's like um since they're ludo cherry so they have like these little dice cherry kind of print there's one that has polka dots that are actually d20s there's um these like maple flowers um and then there's this like kind of almost like blue paisley looking that's like different tokens like victory counters and like kind of like the a traditional looking tokens with like almost looks like a little head and then a fat body and then some meeples on there too. So um, if you want a shirt, it's $45. A skirt is 65 And then after the campaign's over, then you go into the pledge manager and choose um, like the sizing and which one of the, the four fabric designs that you want. So that's Ludo Cherry, 18 days for cool gamer gear, shirts and skirts. Yeah, that's cool. It's nice to have something that looks like regular clothes. That isn't like a big meeple on the front or, you know, whatever. Just you can wear it to work and you're not going to be, be judged for being a nerd or whatever. Right. You could totally wear these to work. They look really great. Um, and if I had a real, I mean, I would probably wear these to teach in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would work. Yeah. They look really great. Okay. Next. Um, so we're going from clothing to another not often talked about topic. And that is RPGs. But this RPG has like the coolest theme ever. It's called... Passion de las, de las passiones. Is this a telenovela? Yes. It's an RPG based on telenovelas. (laughs) I think that's so awesome. And so they have like these, you know, typical archetypes that you find in telenovelas. Um, One of them is, um, I was trying to remember all that. One of them is like the twin. So he's like the evil twin that um, is always there to like ruin it for his twin. And um, <laughs> you, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> I would play this one. This sounds hilarious. It, you, you have um, like 
the one girl who's like the innocent, naive girl that's just plagued by suitors. Uh, <laughs> like such a pro- such a problem to have. Well, yeah, but she doesn't know what to do with herself, and and like of Ugh. course the bad guys are after her too, so it makes it very difficult. Um, just like so, like the like kind of like the Don who's like bossing people around, and um, oh El Jefe who's the controlling master and he's commanding. He's got thugs. Um, <sighs> the La Donna who's like behind the scenes manipulative and vengeful and scheming. Um, it's just like La Belleza, she's the center of attention, flirty, luxurious, gorgeous, all this. So there's these like six like base playbooks that you can play. And then there's, they've got like, um, supporting actors for it. And they've got like this whole scenes, like maybe, and it's, it's like this whole idea of a telenovela, like if the setting, like one of the settings is, Hey, there's this telenovela about this hotel that's been running for 70 years. And now the hotel is up for like sale. And so what's going to happen? Um, it's based on this system called powered by the apocalypse kind of game. Um, which does games like apocalypse world, monster hearts and masks, a new generation. That seems like night and day from what this theme is. I know, but I think it's just the system on how to work it. So instead of being five E, it's this right. it's this power by the apocalypse system where like when your player takes an action, it'll like trigger um it like you when your player does something it can trigger like one of these certain actions. And then you roll two six sided dice and then that total and there's some plus or minuses based on questions that revolve around how you're doing the action or why or whatever that decide like how successful it is or what kind of um like event that triggers. So it uh, seems really cool. It's like super funded. I'm so happy for that. I think this would just be like such a fun, lighthearted way to play an RPG. Like, and because you could be completely ridiculous in it um, and accents and everything. Like, oh, man, I think it just sounds awesome. I just keep thinking about like a regular group of D&D people like sitting around <laughs> playing this. And that makes me laugh. That makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like bring a fake mustache and like twirl it or something. Like it would be so yeah. awesome. So that's that would be awesome. That's Passion de las Pasiones, and there's 13 days left in that um, campaign and Kickstarter. If you want an actual physical copy of the game, it's 30 bucks for like a soft cover, which is pretty cool. Um, or it's only 15 bucks to get the PDF. And the title is amazing. The title is amazing. Um, if you go like a little bit further and do like the $45 pledge campaign, you get, um, they have like these, a deck of cards for supporting actresses, so, like other NPCs and stuff that come in. So you can like kind of fulfill out your telenovela. Um, I just think it's a cool idea. And so I wanted to share it with you guys. So, Passion de las Pasiones. <laughs> that is pretty funny. It is pretty funny. So my next one is a lot more, a little bit more traditional, um, Remember the river did mention this. It is a game called Empire of the Stars. And this is a 4X game, which we will talk about a little bit later. Um, the definition of that. It's apparently based on the Galactic Emperor game, which is award-winning. I don't know anything about that. But then again, I don't play a lot of 4X games or anything like it. Um, so oh, I do. I play so many of them. You just, ha- you just have to like rub that in. Like, really? Everyone knows that you don't. Okay? It could go without saying. <laughs> I just have to reiterate my stance here. After all that RPG talk. You totally want to play Passion de las Passiones. I do want to play that kind of, yes. You want to be El Jefe. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. 
Um, so Empire of the Stars, two to four players. Basically, the last Galactic Emperor died. And so now you're one of these like other nobility that wants to take over for that. So there's combat, there's resource gathering, there's exploration, all that stuff. Um, there are only six days left on this campaign. So if you want to get into this, if you're if you like space, if you like Forex games, it looks pretty good. Um, it's 49 bucks um, to get the game. And that is Empire of the Stars. Cool. Yeah, sounds like if you like Forex, you need to check this out. Yeah, the production looks good on it. Um, is it is it black well, with some stars? Of course. It is a space game. Hello. That's true. What else do you expect? There's some <laughs> other stuff. Like the artwork doesn't look too bad in it either. Uh, That's cool. um, and then last, but certainly not least, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Garfield Games and Shem Phillips' Viscounts of the West Kingdom. So it's one to four players. This one has some, again, new cool mechanics. Um, there's deck building, there's tableau building, and there's a rondelle around this like cool 3D castle. Um, it looks dope. So you're like doing, you are trying to keep your kingdom from like going into poverty. So you want it to be profitable. So you're trying to gain influence. You're um, doing different jobs. You're constructing buildings, um, writing manuscripts. You're working in the castle. Um, you're getting new land so you it's really almost seems like you're really just trying to work to benefit your kingdom in the best way possible and it's a classic euro so you're trying to get as much points as many points as you can um and so it's 52 bucks for that and i it looks it's the beautiful artwork that we've seen in all the west kingdom games and it seems like every time they're just kicking it up a notch with uh, different mechanics and stuff which i think is super cool um however like jason and i were saying we still have not played Paladins the West Kingdom because it honestly hasn't been out that long. I don't think. Well, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it might have been like a year. But still, that's not a long time. Right. Like, really. Right. Um, and so, like, I, it, of course, like, it's funded, super funded, all that. But I, I am worried, and we were talking about this tonight on the way home, that there's, like, almost, I don't want to say oversaturation in the market, but... I feel like we haven't gotten a chance to even enjoy the last game that much before jumping on a new one. And since so much, so so often, the board game community is super called of new and like, oh. Called of the future. Yeah. So it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Called of the future, man. They like look ahead for games. Like people are already doing lists of games that are coming out in 2021. Yeah. Like we're not, we're barely even into 2020. Right, and I feel like... Like, it's insane. And we really try to enjoy and embrace our old games, and that's probably why we haven't played Architects, because, number one, we're cheapskates, and so we're hoping to, like, play somebody else's copy, find one for super cheap, make a trade, whatever. Um, but I still enjoy, you know, Architects. We haven't even, We've only played that, like, once. Once, yeah. Um, and before that... Um, I can never remember that game's name. Raiders. Raiders of the North Sea, because it's not named the same. Raiders, we have played that several times, and it's still good. And I I feel like I'm still figuring that game out. So I think this game looks great, and I'm excited about that. But uh, I just feel like I should give a PSA about, yes, back this game, but also, you know, don't be afraid to go back. And, and if you haven't tried the other games, like, don't throw those away. Like, still keep going, because I think that, you know, Sim Phillips is a great game designer and I want to see him continue to do well and not just be like a big flash in the pan and everyone gets excited about it and then moves on to the next best thing. Like, I just think that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you have me at Rondell. 
So I'm, I'm good. Right. It looks great. Well, on Viscounts, I mean, there's nobles. That's nobles right there. Oh, yeah. Nobles, rondells. This has got me all over it. But it's over 50 bucks, so I'm out. Yeah, it's $52 for the game. But it just barely. I mean, I guess if you factor in shipping. Okay. Yes, that's like $67. Okay. But it's $52 just to get the base game. Um, I love deck building, and I'm really I'm getting more and more into tableau building. Um, because for me, my tableaus tend to function as an engine, which I really enjoy. That's one of my favorite types. So, um, there's 13 days left. If you want to get in on this, I'm sorry to be such a Debbie Downer. Like this game looks awesome. So play it. Um, just keep playing all games, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Old games are good too. Games that came out yesterday are still good. Right. Games that came out a year ago, still good. And some still undiscovered. That's a lot, but that's all I got for the news. All right, we're back. Gaming glossary time. We're going to tell you some things that you need to know about gaming. So when you're hanging out with all your hip friends playing the hottest of new tabletop games that come out in 2022, you'll know what they're talking about. Oh, my gosh. You like that tie-in right there? That was awesome. Why? (laughs) Why? Why not is the more appropriate answer or question. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start with the gaming glossary term that I'm going to that I have this week. And we have two, so I'll say one, Katie will say one. And the first one I want to talk about, well, the only one I'm going to talk about, is one of my favorite mechanisms of all time, and that is 4X. And there's a little joke there. I don't really like 4X, but if you don't know what 4X is, it's like that game Katie was talking about earlier. I can't remember the name now. Something in the stars, Empire, Empire of the Stars. Empire of the Stars. And what 4X means is it's essentially a game where you're going to be exploring, meaning X number one. You're going to be trying to go discover new areas on the map, maybe flipping some tiles to, you know, make the map bigger to have more places to go. Then you're going to be expanding. So what that means is you're going to be going from like your home planet or home turf to a new area that you've previously explored. Then you're going to exploit the third X. So expand was the second X. Exploit is the third X, which means you're going to use the land or territory that you've just acquired through um, expansion to get resources, gather some different types of thing like items, do some mining, whatever. And the fourth one, and probably everybody's favorite that likes to play these games, is extermination. So what that means is, pretty self-explanatory, you're going to be going into other people's territories to try to wipe them out so you can take over and make that land your own. So some of the games that have these in, has the 4X mechanism in there pretty heavy is Twilight Imperium. Not a game that I'm probably going to play because it's really long and it's in space, but it does all these 4Xs. Um, I can't even tell you outside of that. Sid Meier Civilization has some Xs. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I know about games that have 4Xs, but I did tell you what 4X means, so now you can at least be hip and cool and get down with all the lingity when people were throwing that around at you. I feel like, again, it goes without saying that you don't play 4X games, primarily because of the Exterminate. I don't play 4X games because... They tend to happen in space. and Mostly, yes. It's easier to do there, I think. Yeah. So I think I would be willing to try one um, that wasn't in space because I hate space-themed games, as we have discussed previously. I'm trying to think of one that is not in space, but I can't. So Sid Meier's Civilization is not in space. I guess that's true. I would try it. Yeah. That would be one that I would do because it goes through ancient times, probably has some, some nobles. I'm good. Yeah. I used to play this game on the computer that had... Is something called Civilization like that. I don't know the exact name. It's the same same thing. Sid Meier Civilization. I really liked it. I played it at my friend's house because I didn't have a computer um, or games when I did get a computer. Um, 
but it was really fun. So maybe I would think about it. Okay, so the mechanism I'm going to talk about is I split, you choose. And this is where there's like cards or goods, um, tiles, whatever. And one player takes those and divides them. I'm, I don't know if this is, I don't think it's just two players. Like it can be many. No, it can be many. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, one player will divide whatever it is, goods or cards or tiles or whatever, um, into as many groups as there are players. And then the other people make their choice first of what they want to take. So this tends to bring in some strategy of, okay, how do I divide this? So I'm hopefully getting what I want at the end or something that I do kind of want and not like crap. Um, but I also want you to take like something maybe, um, I think this is like a really cool strategy term, um, like thing to use in a game. So one major game that does that is New York slice where you're offering, um, different pizzas to people. Yeah. You're trying to get different slices of pizza that score differently and you're trying to collect certain sets. You may have like a special, menu like deal of the day or something that if you get it's worth extra points or whatever but it's strictly i split you choose you separate the pizza into however many pieces and then you take a section that's it yeah um hanamakoji also has this element in it um where you've got these goods and so you're like ooh, okay i'll divide them and like i want you to take these because they're going to push you, like, push you too far on this, but you, you also, but I want to get you to take that group. So I'm going to slip one of them that you do want, but here's one I really want. I want you to take it from me. Um, that whole thing. And I was just thinking that I think good critters is I split you choose. No, it's not. There's no choosing though. The yeah, boss you just is split. just splitting. Yeah. Dang it. I really thought I was onto something there. You're unwillingly choosing. You're just taking what you get and then voting on it. Right. Cause it's almost. I did think of one, though, when you were asking me, and uh-huh. I thought about it. Sword Crafters, which I don't think you've played. I haven't. I haven't played any of these tra- games. Yeah, you're trying oh, to make a, so- a sword, and you're t- you're putting these tiles down of different gems to put on the side of your sword, and then you have to split it based on how many players, and then everybody takes a section and builds their sword. So it's strictly I split, you choose hmm. to. Yeah, and I'm sure there are more games. I just clearly don't play this mechanism very often. Um, Hanamakoji, yes, I have. Yeah, I like that one. But other than that, I can't think of any any other games that I've actually played with this mechanism. But I think it's a cool yeah. one because it really makes you think. You have to decide, okay, how am I going to sweeten the deal to get them to take stuff that's not the stuff I want to take? Um, so there's almost some social deduction in there in a way because you're like, how do I get this person to think in the way that I want them to think and what's going to persuade them and what's going to sway them? Um, but it's also like looking at the mechanics of what's happening and strategy wise. So that's, I split you choose in a totally roundabout way. Like I realize when I listen back to this, I'm like, gosh, you sound like a freaking idiot, Katie. Like it really does. Uh, it's just, it's just what the, what the, pod- it's what the podcast does. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it's what the podcast does to you. See, I can't even talk right. I just got my tongue twisted around. <laughs> all right. It's all that preparation and professionalism that we put into this thing. Yeah, it must be. We better get out of the gaming glossary and move on before this gets real bad. <laughs> hey, babe, why don't you talk about your favorite segment of games that you played? Uh, I do love this section, and I played some pretty fun games over the last week. So let me talk about one. The first game I want to talk about is called Coloretto. Uh, so this is like the little brother, little cousin of Zuloretto. Same designer. I like Zuloretto. But this is... 
Yeah. So this this plays similarly to that. Like in Zoo Loretto, you're trying to put tiles on these little trucks and take them over into your zoo. And then you're doing some tile placement stuff. What Coloretto is, is it's essentially just the truck piece, but it's all card based. So what you're trying to do is, depending on the number of players, there's these cards you're going to put out in the middle of the table. They're going to have either a one, a two, or a three on them. What that means is each of those columns can have one, two, or three cards associated with them. On your turn, you're going to take a, either take a stack of cards that's at one of those locations and collect the colors. And I'll explain why you're doing that in a second. Or you're going to flip a card off the top of the deck and put it next to one of those those piles. So what you're trying to do here is you're trying to collect sets of cards to score points. So say I have six of a certain color card that might get me like 21 points. The trick here is at the end of the game, you can only score three of your colors of sets for positive points. Everything outside of those three colors is negative points based on how many of them that you have. Hmm. So you're trying to balance, like you're, you're trying to put the cards in the columns to get stuff that's going to help you only, but you can't always do that because then people are going to take those and you'll get stuck with something else. So you're trying, it's the same kind of game that you're playing on Zulareto with the trucks, but it's just quicker and simpler and you don't have the tile piece. So if you like set collection and you like that cool truck mechanism in Zulareto and you want that experience in 10 minutes, then I say check out Coloretto because it was super enjoyable and I liked it. So yeah. Would you rather play it than Zulareto? Oh no, I would play Zulareto for sure. Yeah. It just sounds fun. Like I really like. Zuloretto, so I'm willing to. Why is it called Coloretto? Is it? It's not. So it's not animals. It's just colors. It's a no. It's a. All the cards are like a salamander or some kind of lizard, and they're just different colors. So I, I don't really know. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't play a ton of games, but over the past couple of days, we got a few in, and um, the game I want to talk about is a game that's coming to Kickstarter, actually in a couple of weeks. So this is a little preview, and it's a game... It's on our anniversary, actually. Yeah, I saw that. It comes out on our anniversary, which just happens to be St. Patrick's Day. Um, but it's called Lawyer Up, and this is a two-player-only game. And, oh, gosh, there's kind of a lot going on. So I like this game because the theme is that you each represent a side in a court case. So I played the prosecution, and Jason played the defense. And um, we only had one case that came with kind of our prototype. But you go through the whole discovery phase process where you're pulling out these cards um that are potential like different types of evidence and arguments and you choose one to go into your deck you choose one to go into your opponent's deck and then one gets to be buried evidence and so you go through your whole stack deciding what you're going to keep what you're going to give away um what you're going to bury and then um the trial starts and so you've got you've got 12 jurors that um, you're trying to sway in your favor, and they each have certain kinds of biases that I don't think it really matters what they are. Like, I wish that was it, yeah, more thematic. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a judge, and you set out eight witnesses, and there's some other witnesses in a stack. And then, like, you take turns calling the witness, and then you play cards from your hand. You've got a deck, and so it's a deck builder. So that deck that you went through and got gathered all the evidence and stuff gets shuffled in with, like, a basic deck of 26, uh, 26 cards that are... Like, um, like the processes of court, like, um, inadmissible evidence or bribery of the judge or whatever. And you shuffle those all together, draw a hand of five, and then you're going to do like, um, I forget what the name of it's called. Examination. So you're going to, you're going to build an examination. Each of your cards has, um, these coded symbols that actually are the different types of biases. So 
by submitting like the murder weapon as part of my examination, like that may be an influence on like logic. It's got like a medical, you know, there's morality to it, whatever. It has these symbols on it. So you can, you can play as many cards out of your hand as you want. They, um, a lot of the cards have special powers. They allow you to maybe draw other cards. They allow you to manipulate the jurors. They allow you to, um, manipulate like your opponent's hand or their deck. Um, some of them let you go through the buried evidence deck and get out cards that have been stuck in there, which is really cool, but you're only able to lay them as long as you can chain these symbols, which is cool. Like, I think it's really neat. And so then each card and each witness has influence and there can be either influence for the prosecution, influence for the defense, or a neutral influence that either of you can claim. And so once everyone's decided to pass, we're not gonna play any more cards um, to our examination for this particular witness. You know, you'll say no further questions and then you decide who has the most influence and then whoever has the most influence, you subtract the other person's influence from that. And with those points, you can then start to sway some jurors. Um, There's like a lot. It's I I don't want to say it's complicated, but it is a lot for a little two player game. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, but it was really fun because I feel like it is super thematic. The flavor text on all the cards was really cool. The idea of the fact that I have to build an examination with a particular witness um, and chain cards together by symbols. I feel like that goes to the theme of you have to have a logical argument. Um, there are objection tokens where you can object to something that um, the yeah, that, opponent that's does. That's really fun. That's fun. Yeah, you can have a sidebar with the judge to try to sway them to your favor because having the judge in your favor can allow you to use certain cards in certain ways. Um, I just thought it was great. I liked it a lot. What do you think, babe? Oh, yeah, this game is really fun. Uh, I did a video of it. It's on our YouTube channel. You can go check it out. But I think it does two-player tug-of-war, kind of. That's essentially what it is. You're trying to do the tug-of-war with the jurors. It does that like most other two-player games, but the way you have to chain those cards together and how you're only getting like the uh, in-game benefit of the last card in the examination. So you're trying to decide, do I want to hold that on for later so I can score that if I win? Or do I need to play that up at the top so I have symbols to play other cards? It's It's got a lot of stuff going on, and there's just a lot of set collection and stuff because if you get a witness, you're trying to get certain types of symbols to get some points. It's It's crazy. It's really good. And I really hope it funds, and I hope more games try to go out of the box and do cool themes and stuff like this. Even though I don't care about theme, it did make this fun because it felt like you were kind of doing a court case, and it was cool. So, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, I love the theme. The other thing I don't like about is the swaying of the jurors, to me, feels like area control, and I just don't like that mechanic. And so, as a prosecutor, you have to um, lock and get all 12 jurors to um, be on your side. And that is so difficult and it's very, it was so frustrating to me because area control is just frustrating to me, but I love the thematics of it. I wish we had more cases to play um, because it was like really interesting and fun. So um, I'll mention this probably again in our news in a couple weeks when it actually hits Kickstarter, but check out Jason's um, little preview of it on our YouTube channel. Um, but that's lawyer up. It was pretty awesome. Yep. I definitely agree with you. All right, so the last game I want to talk about before you get into your final game, and mine is called Roundhouse, and it's from Emperor S4. It's probably one of the biggest games that they have because it actually comes in like a full-size game box. It's a pretty beefy game, and what you're doing in this is it's essentially a double rondel game where you're moving these little, I don't even, I'm going to kill the theme. That's fine. Just go with me here. (laughs) 
you're moving these pawns around these this double rondelle to try to hire assistants so you can take have extra powerful actions you're trying to get these assistants out on corners of the board because at certain points in the game you're going to cross the starting line of the rondelle which is called i think the altar of worship or something like that and when you get there you have a choice you can either go to the temple and get this one-time bonus and not advance the round marker or you can go worship in the house of worship i think and you're going to take all your assistance from one of the the four islands and you're going to do this like little like connection like centipede thing in this grid to get bonuses and score points Mm. so the farther you can get your little people through this grid you're going to get some bonuses on the side. You're going to collect these amulets because it's like set collection. The more different amulets you get, the more points you can get. And then you're just trying to, and that will advance the round. So you're going to play over seven rounds and you're just trying to get more amulets as, as everybody else, more experts, which are going to give you special powers throughout the round. Get more of your assistants out on the board because if you can get them out on the board, they may let you fire off an adjacent action when you're taking an action on the rondelle. It's pretty good. It The rule book's kind of garbagey. So once you get past that, it's fine. Yeah, it seems kind of complicated. It seems complicated, but it's really not. But the rule by reading the rule book, you wouldn't know that. Okay. So if you can get through the rule book and you get through a round, everything's going to make sense after that. If you like rondelles and you like cool um, Asian theme games and set collection, definitely check this one out. I think it's an underrated gem, and I think you'll enjoy it. So my last game I'm going to talk about is Roundhouse. And you've been after this game for a couple of years now because we saw it at Origins, and you're like, oh, I really want to play this. And we just didn't get a chance to. It did not disappoint. Huh. I haven't played this one yet, so. I I don't know if you'll like it or not. (laughs) Why do you keep picking up new games that you think I'm not going to like? I feel bad. No, I feel like you would like. I mean, it's a Euro game, but I just don't know if you'd like the the little grid thing with the people. Mm. It's not like area control. It's just, I don't know, kind of unnecessary, but it's it's part of the game. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, the it's, it's it's got a cool theme you like though, so that yeah, that's true. Own. And I haven't really looked at the artwork on it, but I do, I I mean I like Merlin and the rondelle there, so I'm definitely willing to give it a try. No, that's true. That has a double rondelle too. That's true. Okay, uh, and the last game I talk about is Chronicles of Crime, but this is also another like kind of preview game that we got, which is really exciting, um, and it's actually on Kickstarter right now. So it's Chronicles of Crime fourteen hundred. So they have this, it's called the Chronicles of Crime, the Millennium series. It's on Kickstarter right now. Um, there's 21 days to go. It's totally funded. Um, and just one game is 30 bucks, which is pretty decent. So Chronicles of Crime has been around for, what, a year? Two years? Yeah, maybe two years. Maybe yeah. two years now. Um, it is a, I don't, a deduction game where you use a phone as a QR reader and you can use it like to view... Um, like crime scenes and stuff. And then you're scanning it and talking to witnesses. And um, so the 1400 is the one of the three of, in the Millennium Series that we got. There's 1400, 1900, and 2400, I believe. Um, and I'm glad we didn't get 2400 because, you know, how I hate futuristic. Futuristic dystopia. There you go. <laughs> Worst. I definitely love 1900 to try that. But 1400, it's set... Um, you're set in like a small town with a monastery and a scribe has been killed. And so you're called in to try and help solve this crime. Um, can't tell you a ton about the specifics because, uh, spoiler alert. Um, however, I do love deduction games, as I've mentioned before. Um, Consulting Detective is one of my favorites. I've heard Tom Vassell 
waffle on and on about how Chronicles of Crime totally replaces consultant detective for him, blah, blah, blah. I don't see how. Like, the man must be a moron because, <laughs> I mean, I'm so- Yeah, nice. Get him. I'm sorry, Tom. Um, you're probably a generally nice person, but I think your taste in games is questionable, as well as your fashion sense is horrific. Garish. Ugh, gaudy. Garish. Ugh, I can't even. <laughs> like, I don't want to bash him. Like, as a, as a person, I think he is a good person. I just, he makes some questionable choices. Um, and this, this is one of them. Because we played um, 1400. We... You know, took a little time, went to the places, was using our logic, using the resources. It's kind of, it's cool because you scan a location, you look at the stuff that's there, um, you talk to different witnesses, you're able to like question witnesses about things you found or other people. Um, The nice thing about this version is that they condense like all of your help into one place into your home so you can go and talk to your brother the spy who knows about all kinds of people or you talk to your sister who knows about you know various objects or you talk to like this friar or whatever that's friends with you that knows about written text whatever um and i think that that that's great but it was pretty easy for me to figure out it was pretty easy even i was figuring out some of it that's that tells you it's easy um i just felt like the challenge wasn't there now I I think Jason and I only played maybe just the introductory um, case for Chronicles of Crime, the original. Yeah, we only had the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we have a bunch of those. We've only played one. And so I think I'd like to try that again. And maybe those are more challenging than this one was for me. Um, but I just felt a little let down. Like I just I, I felt like there there was like maybe one incident where. You need to know a certain piece of information in order to progress further. Um, and that was kind of cool. But for me, consulting detective will always beat this out every time because I'm flexing my brain muscles more. You know, I'm doing more research. I'm hunting down more leads. I'm piecing stuff together myself. Whereas I felt like it was really easy for me to find all of the pieces and put them together. I mean, I think the score we got was 119 out of 110. Because we got all yeah. the questions right and then did it so fast. Yeah, like this uh, is essentially consulting detective with an app and really dummy down. Like I, I feel like the app directs you where to go. It doesn't, but it really does. So the, you get all these clues. They give you certain people to, to go and talk to. And then once you talk to those people, they're like, hey, you found an item. Okay, I didn't even have to look for it. I just found it. And then you have this dog in the new one that can go smell out some items and give you some leads and take you other places too that you would have never thought to go. And it just helps you solve the case. So yeah, it, it does feel super easy, but it was enjoyable. It was a fun hour. Right. And I, I don't know um, if that's just me. Like, I, I, like, I don't like want to toot my own horn. Like, I'm pretty smart and I'm pretty good at this stuff, but I don't think I'm that good. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm that good. No. It, I mean, it made me feel smart. So... <laughs> Clearly, it was easy. I mean, and you've also you also did um, a quick review of this as much as you can. That's on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I basically show what was different between this series and the base game. So yeah, so I don't I don't want to like downplay it. Like I think it's cool. I think the idea of Chronicles Crime is interesting. I think it's more accessible for people than Consulting Detective. Um, but if you're looking for a real deductive challenge, this is not it. If you want like, hey, let's get everybody together. This will be fun. We can scan codes. We can look around at stuff. Yeah, I think that's great. 
I think this is this is a good game. This is a good family kind of game with like kind of older, you know, like early teens, I think would really enjoy this. And then they can be helpful. And I think then that would be fun because it's easily I think it's easily achievable, but they are it seems to be fairly achievable and accessible for people. And I think that would be fun for a lot of people. Um, So I don't want to dog it. But uh, there's another game that is like Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, only you're like looking stuff up on the internet. Is that just called Detective or something? Yeah, Detective. It's from Portal or whatever. See, I'd be interested to give that a go because I feel like that might be closer to what I'm looking for um, after I finish all of Consulting Detective. But um, I'm, I'm still going to give Chronicles Crime another try. That might be something in a future podcast we talk about games that we give a second chance to. But um, Chronicles Crime 1400, like it was cool. And it was a fun, quick little game, in my opinion. So um, if you're interested, yep. check it out on Kickstarter. Um, it's the Chronicles of Crime Millennium series from Lucky Duck Games. All right. And that is all we have for Games Played. All right. So this week, we wanted to talk about games because that's what we do. But not only did we want to talk about games, we wanted to talk about games that after we played them, we ended up liking them. So, for example, maybe we had this preconceived notion in our head that we're not going to like this game because it's 4X. And then we play it, (laughs) and it turns out to be one of the best games we've ever played. Yeah. So something like that is what we're talking about here. Games we didn't think we would like, but we did like. And I just felt like it was a good follow-up to last week where we talked about like our major game turnoffs. And so sometimes, like for me, since I apparently have really shallow game turnoffs, it's the way the box looks or it's the way the rolls read or it's the theme. And then someone forces me to play it and I'm like, huh, I really like that game. So this is those games that for me, I'm like... Oh, I went in going, oh, dragging my feet. Like, why are you making me play this? I'm going to hate it. And then I'm like, this was a good game. I want to play it again. I want to own that game. So yeah, start us off, babe. All right. So my first one's going to hit a couple checkboxes that when I see these, I instantly get turned off. So first one, it's going to have three checkboxes. <laughs> first one is Simon. I don't normally like Simon games. Yeah. They're just not my thing because they have the second checkbox, minis. I don't like minis. I feel like they're unnecessary. Waste of space, waste of money. Third thing that usually turns me off is Eric M. Lang. When his name's on a box, I know it's going to be all those other two things that I just talked about. So I'm going to be out. You also don't like take that mean games. That's That's four. true. That's true. So four checkboxes here. Yes, correct. But the game I want to talk about in case you haven't figured it out is The Godfather. <laughs> I, I don't know why I love this game. You it's do. so fun. <laughs> Because essentially, yes, it has area control. It has some take that. But essentially, it's contract fulfillment and resource collection. So I can kind of look past that other stuff and just focus on that. Yeah, I get irritated when somebody blows me up with a car bomb. But it goes with the theme. It makes sense. And it doesn't, like, cripple you forever. It's just annoying. So, yeah, I like it. It's fun. The minis could be cubes. But I can look past that, too. It's a good game. And you can usually find it pretty cheap. It's got some area control. It's got some set collection. It's got some uh, worker placement, kind of. If you're into all that, give this game a go. That's The Godfather. Yeah, I actually really like this, too. And um, I I hate area control, as I have said before. But you can, in some ways, get around that with this. Like, yes, that's part of some of the strategy to winning, but it's not all the strategy. There's the contract fulfillment piece that, you know, if you play it right, it can 
you know, really take you to a victory. And I, it's super thematic. Like, I love that about it. And I actually like the miniatures because I want my thugs to look different from your thugs. Like, I don't want them just to be cubes because it's more fun when you see that they're carrying a baseball bat or like a, a butcher knife or something. I don't know. I just think it's great. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Fine. Um, my first game, it came to mind right away. Um, for this topic because I so did not want to play this game. The artwork is vibrantly colored, but it's real weird. Um, It's a game that has like mechs or bots or whatever in it, I think. Robots. Robots. And it involves like math. And uh, our new hotness buddy brought it over and I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's going to make me play this game. I'm going to hate this game. I'm going to feel like a major moron. I end up really, really liking it. I think I won. And that game is Sentient. Um, Sentient is a game with basically dice drafting. Yeah, pretty much. So um, you've got these robots that will... Well, it's card drafting. You, the yeah. dice stay on your board. You're drafting The dice cards, always yeah. stay there. Do you ever re-roll them? You re-roll them. Yeah, at the turn. end of every round, you, re- you re-roll them at the end of every yeah. round. So yeah. you get your dice and they... Um, go on your board. Then you've got to draft these robots to go around them and they have different requirements and they may manipulate your dice in a certain way. Well, if, uh, and, and the dice are in between the the robots. So if one robot is going to make the dice go up one, but my other robot says that I need it to be in between a certain number and that will screw it up. I don't want to draft that robot there. Um, there's a lot of strategy to it. Yes, there's like math to it in some ways, but I just really found this an interesting, like puzzly little game. Like I I really, really enjoyed it. And I for the life of me don't know why. Because it has so many things that I really dislike. <laughs> oh yeah, I like this one a lot. I think the the way you have to manipulate the dice to make them work two dice work with multiple cards is really cool. I like that you can use your bots to cover up like one of the multi- the modifiers on the card so you don't have to actually manipulate it. That's pretty neat too. Yeah, it's, it's a good game. It's kind of mathy and kind of thinky, but it is fun. Yeah, and I've recommended it to a few people like because I said, hey, I like this game for some crazy reason. <laughs> and uh, most people that have played it really enjoy it. And actually, we haven't played it for quite a while. And I've been thinking about breaking out again because um, I just really had a good experience with it. And uh, it's totally... Something that immediately I put my walls up and was turned off by. But Sentient run me over. So that's my um, first one, Sentient. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I wanted to play it, so I, I wasn't turned off. But yeah, I, I know it was not your type of game. I'm for more sure. particular about games than you are. Yeah, that's true. All right, so my next game, uh, mostly... Okay, so let me be <laughs> kind here. Mostly, I didn't want to play this game because I was sick of hearing about it. It was so hyped. Yeah, it was supposedly the best game in the world. You could burn your whole rest of your collection. All you need is this game. (laughs) And by now you should know what game I'm talking about, and that game is Wingspan. (laughs) So I played it at two players with Joel, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Then I played it more, and I liked it more. Then I played it again, and I liked it more. Then we got a copy, and I played it again, and I liked it more. So this is a very good game. It's an engine builder, tableau builder, whatever. They kind of are the same thing, where you're trying to, play these birds down onto your player board and you're going to take an action and the more birds you have down, the stronger your action is going to be and you're going to get to do more additional things 
each time you take an action in that row. So it's simple, it's it's quick, but it does what it needs to do in a fun way, and I enjoy playing it. So it gives me kind of the feel of a heavy game without being a heavy game, if that makes sense. So yeah, Wingspan, if you can get past the hype and you can find a copy that's not $65, I say go for it because it is really fun and I like it. Yeah, I wanted to put this on my list, but Jason got to it first. And the reason I didn't want to play it is I didn't know the mechanics because I I love engine building, but I hate birds. <laughs> like That's true. I, you do hate birds. I really hate birds. Um, I'm sorry for you bird lovers. I'm sorry, okay? We I, do have a couple that listen to us. I know, I'm sorry. But they just carry disease um, and they like poop everywhere and they always go for the eyes. I just can't. I just can't with birds, okay? So I'm like, a game all about birds? No, why? And most people were, weren't talking about the mechanics of it. They're just saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's all these birds, and you've got eggs and Best stuff. Best game in the world. Um, and look at all these upgraded components. I'm like, what the heck? Uh, and then I played it, and I'm like, this game is so freaking fun. Like, I love it. And I've taught it to a bunch of people. Like, I've played it with all kinds of people. They really enjoy it, and, like, barely they're gamers, really into it yeah it won me over and i even can't stand birds so that's the sign of a good game go wingspan yep i like it i feel like the fact that we we didn't like it because of the overhype is like so gen x or like you can't trust the establishment you gotta go against the flow it's just like you know there's four two thousand games released every year there's no way that this one game is like the end-all be-all of all games like just every post, wingspan, wingspan. You play wingspan, wingspan. Nine hundred thousand dollars for wingspan. Do you have wingspan? It's like, gosh, get over it. All right, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> but now we know. Now we know. Now we're like desperately trying to get the expansion. Like we can't find it anymore. Now we know. Well, we can find it. I just don't want to pay for it. Well, that's always really the case with us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next game, I wasn't turned off by it immediately because I love the designer. Um, the artwork was a little iffy for me um because i think it looks like canadian money it does kind of you're right <laughs> is the um but i had a really bad experience the first time i played it and that game is lisboa so good um and i wanted to play it because i love uncle vital like he's my main portuguese man um and like you have another portuguese man how many portuguese men do you have well you don't know i need maybe a few but uncle Vital's the number one Okay, that's good. I'll I'll approve of that. <laughs> so, uh, and like, you know, I don't care about the theme necessarily of this one cuz I don't you don't really see that played out. I don't think in the components, but whatever. The first time I played it, like I just felt like I was not explained the rules very well and Vital games are so intricate and they're like a turn is not just a turn. A turn is a turn that chain starts multiple other actions happening with choices and other people then jumping in on your turn as well and i was just overwhelmed i felt like a moron i didn't know what i was doing nothing made sense i still think i played it wrong i think i might have won but i think it's because i accidentally cheated because i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> like the truth comes out oh you're talking about your first time yes my first time yeah yeah yeah. right okay because I, I i i had no idea I literally had no idea. And my turns took forever because I didn't know how to plan because I had no clue what was going on. So then I swore off Lisboa. I was like, forget this. Never playing this. Like, no, never again. 
look what you did to me. How could you betray me like this, Uncle Vital? I love you. So then Jason's like, this game is so good, Katie. I love it. You got to play it again. Come on. Sounds oh. just like me. I sound just like that. <laughs> I can't do your Marvel Man voice. I just can't. <laughs> I don't know. So that's my voice for you. At least it's not my dumb voice for you because I have one of those too. I'm sure you do. I'm <laughs> You've sure heard you it. Do. I tell it to you all the time. I know. I, I, I know it. Yeah, I get it every day. Yeah. But I'm being I'm being generous because I end up liking this game we played again. Um, so the second experience helped. I don't know if it helped even that I fumbled through the first experience because um, I at least was familiar with some of the parts of the game. And I think I think for a VTEL sort of game, I need to read the rules. I need to watch a playthrough. I need to to do some of my homework to come to the table ready to play. And I hadn't done any of that for Lisboa the first time. But playing it the second time and then a couple times since is so good. And it landed very high in my top 100. I'm pretty sure it's in my top 25. I think it's my number 11, actually. I think it's my number 11 game and Gallers is my number 10. Um, which I have loved the Gallers for a long time. So for it to move up so high, so fast, like it was like whiplash. Because it is so interesting and the choices you make are just so heavy and you're, you're making one choice because you want to do something three turns later and you need to prepare for it. You need to have the proper like influence and cards and resources and um, I think I'm still figuring that this game out, which is for me great after I just talked earlier about Chronicles of Crime 1400 where I felt like I figured it out like in... 30 minutes like this um is a game that it is brain burning but not in a way that leaves me frustrated but in a way that makes me want to keep trying it again and again um because vital Lacerda is just a master designer so lisboa i changed my mind it won me over as it should have because it's good it was a rough time that first time it was really bad no i but Uncle Vital was watching so that was cool yeah he watched me like not know what i was doing it's even worse that's true, but he's supportive. He's your number one man. It's all good. He is. I feel like he would forgive me, and we'd have a glass of wine in Portugal, and you'd have some vino. Go to an art gallery. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So that's another another episode yeah, to discuss. That's another episode. All right. So my last game I want to talk about is a party game. What? Yeah, and I think you think I still don't like this game because my face says I don't like this game, <laughs> but. <laughs> The game that I want to talk about is called Concept. So this is a party game. So I was immediately turned off. That's like a bigger checkbox than all the checkboxes in the gallerist or in the Godfather. So (laughs) all four of those checkboxes are smaller than the concept party box. But what this game is, is it's a team game. So you're playing as a team and you're trying to use these little pieces to tell a, a story or a word or a sentence from this card that you have. So other people, other teams will guess it. So you have like a question mark that's going to be like the main idea. You're going to put it on this section of the board that's going to reference like two or three things. And you're trying to use these pieces to just tell a story because if people can get it, you're going to get points. But they also get points if they're the ones that get it. They'll get two if they get it. You get one if you help them get it. That's the game. And you're playing until all these little um, light bulb points are gone and then whoever has most points is the winner. So... I initially I was like this is stupid I didn't like it even the first time I played it I thought it was stupid and then the more I played it the more I thought it was enjoyable and then it was more about 
seeing what kind of crazy clues people are going to come up with to try to explain something super easy or how they're going to pick this phrase that no one's ever heard of and think that it's super easy and that you should get it right away. <laughs> that is kind of silly and funny to me. So the more I play it, the more I like it. And that is Concept, the last game that I'm going to talk about. And I like begged for this game. I saw Will Wheaton play it on tabletop. And I'm like, that looks really fun. Like, I think that was Wesley be- Crusher. I know. It's his fault. I have such a soft spot for him. Stop. Even though he can be wackadoo sometimes. I really love him. Um, yeah. And, and I like party games as a rule. That's that's what has comprised a lot of my gaming um, up until, you know, the past maybe eight years or so. Um, was a lot of party games because I'm a social person and I love the aspect of a game. So that's all oh, me too. Me too. I'm talking. Be quiet. You had your say. Oh, oh, try it. Bleep me. <sighs> I dare you. I'm not going to bleep you. I'm just going to edit it all out. <laughs> You're a turd. <laughs> but so concept and like you sort of mentioned the mechanics of it, but there's a whole huge board filled with pictures and then everyone has like this player guide and each picture gives you several different concepts. Like, is it old or um, antique or, you know, aging? Or is it wildlife, nature? Is it, you know, wind or weather? Like, all these different possibilities. And you're trying to get, you can't say anything, but yes, with everyone else guessing. And some things like fly right out and you're like how in the world they get that and then some things you're like why can we not get this because people pick crazy things you're like i would never thought that's like a concept to lead me to that and you can change and move and um if something's not working you can try something else and like layer the concepts and so it can be a lot deeper than you think it is and like i think part of what helped is the last time we played this we played it with a lot of people right like or they're like eight or ten of us yeah i think there were five teams of two so ten yeah yeah so there's like these a bunch of teams um people all over the place trying different stuff which i think made it really fun and then you can really see like what the game can do and do for people so yeah i'm i'm glad that you have been one over to it and i'm gonna like request we play it more often now that i know you don't hate it <laughs> i was get i was just getting ready to say just because i made this list doesn't mean I want to play it, like, ever. Oh. But I will play it. Come on. <laughs> I'll play it if the situation occurs where it would work. Okay. I'll be sure to keep that in mind. You know what those situations are. <laughs> I do. Because I'm good at reading social cues. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's why you married me. I'm like, I'm like your social seeing eye dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tell me what to do and when to, when to do it and how like, to do it. Like, no. Yeah. Danger. Okay, go now. Speak now. No, don't do that. Put that down. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds right. <laughs> okay, my last game um, is a game that was immediate turnoff for me, like um, Sentient was, but in a different way. It was ugly. It still is ugly. They made a new version, and that version still ugly. And that game is London. Um, we had played. You were so you were so wrong on this one. I, huh? I was. We had played Brass. I think before this and i was so sick of yes. hearing about it and i didn't really like that either like i did okay with it i understood the game i just thought it was boring as crap like ooh, boring ugly and then this box like we have the first edition because heaven forbid jason spring for the new hotness so we get the old, old and busted 
Old and busted is the way we go here. You know that. I know. With this hideous map, and I'm like, what is happening here? Um, gosh, this game is way high in my list. It's top 25. It's top 20. I'm pretty oh, yeah, I'm sure. It, as it should be, because it's gorgeous. It is. No, it's not because it's gorgeous. It's because <laughs> it is one of my favorite mechanics. And I think I realized that I really love engine building because I love London. Um I don't like the idea of always being in debt, of always accruing poverty. Like, that normally turns me off yeah, when a game beats you sucks. up. <laughs> like, yeah, I usually don't like that in a game where it's constantly beating on you. But um, just, like, the multi-use of cards, the building of the engine. Um, uh, the first edition is the one that I want to play because I like the map. I feel like that makes sense. It's nice to see that. Um, there's things you can do with that and there's cards that play off of that map that for me I think that that goes along with the engine building and that's the reason why it's there and it makes it work so well um, the money is terrible terrible it's like silver tiddlywinks. silver and gold tiddlywinks is just what I was going to say Yeah. which is stupid and I'm sure we've got like beautiful metal coins I could pull off another game to play with this but I would play this game anytime I, this game is so 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 good it helps that I am usually really great at this game. Watch, we'll do a live play and I'll suck real bad. And like, Oh yeah, I would crush you. I would crush you. It makes me really sad. Like, I really do want this, but I don't want to lose. <laughs> no, I'll still lose. I'm awful at this yeah, game. Yeah, I've I'm never so seen my crew poverty so bad, Jason, as you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's terrible. Like, I think last time I played, I had like 16 poverty left after the first player got rid of all of theirs. Yeah. It, I don't know. I did really well. I only had maybe five poverty or something the last time we played. It was like yeah. real slick. Um, it was I rough. ran my engine good that time. It was real good. But uh, despite the initial turnoff, I'm like, oh my gosh, Jason got another first edition game of some old boring Marty Wallace crap. I love London. It won me over. It is so, so good. So that's my last game. So I had Sentient, Lisboa, and London. And I had The Godfather wingspan and concept yeah so what are some games that made you change your mind about them i mean maybe i'm the only person that goes in with so much prejudice against games but i feel like that's out there um so is there a game that made you change your mind tell us about it message us um post it in the riveted find us on facebook if you're not in the riveted uh, ask to join us really easy we'll admit you all um comment on instagram twitter Whatever. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, in addition to this, I, I think we're going to try a follow-up where I I feel like Lisboa worked for me because I gave it a second chance. And so we might have to do um, second chance games and see if I can replay some and say, okay, I hate it the first time. Do I still hate it the second time? Or is it changing my mind? Cause I don't. Yeah. I'll play that stupid quest for El Dorado. Oh my gosh, it's so game. good. I think you'll like it. I think you will change your mind. Maybe. You're probably right. You're probably right. All right. Um, also, if you, we haven't had a, a call from Member the Road in a while. So please, if you want to be on the show, just email us um, a quick clip, like about three to five minutes. I'm talking about the games you're playing. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Um, send us a little um, soundbite so we can have you on the show. Any other thoughts? No, I'm. I think I'm thought out. I need to get watching some Love Is Blind right <laughs> oh my now. God. I've hooked. It's my fault. I hooked Jason another reality TV show. <laughs> but if Love Is Blind on Netflix, 
if you want to like have some mindless entertainment where you watch people be morons or also there's people i love like lauren and cameron yes i'm rooting for them yes uh check out love is blind um, we can talk about it on the riveted <laughs> too if you want the podcast within the podcast love is blind. recap episode number seven <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're not going to do we that. Are. We're just basically going to sign off. All right. right. Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great week. And uh, as always, I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. what don't you think that um this is so out of i'll come that's so out of context i'll come back to that okay yeah that was a good segue <laughs> sorry sorry cut that out <laughs> cut that out oh no i'm keeping it in no i i had a brainchild it's great i'll tell you in a minute <laughs> <laughs>